Hello, and welcome to Entangled, the podcast where we explore the science of consciousness, the true nature of reality, and what it means to be a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm your host, Jordan Euclid, and today I'm joined by my great friend, Matt Cole. In this episode, Matt and I discuss the transition period between life and death, the importance of being present, and concepts of pleasure and pain. From there, we discuss cycles of time, individual development during different life phases, parallel universes, and reincarnation. Please enjoy. Welcome to the latest episode of Entangled. Today, I am honored to be joined by my dear friend, Matthew Cole. Man, it is a pleasure to be here. Excited for this conversation and, and to learn some new stuff, man. You're the mastermind. Absolutely, man. Always love talking to you. We've been friends now, what, since seventh grade? Is that when you came back to Wyoming? Yeah, I think that's probably when we really connected. I got we, yeah. My family got back in sixth grade. So with that, Matt, why don't you tell the audience a bit about yourself? Sure thing, man. My name is Matthew Cole, originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, with Jordan here. Went to Wyoming my whole life. We also ended up at Indiana University together in our journey here. So we were Hoosiers together. Had some good times with this young man for the better part of my life. And I've been lucky enough to have some opportunities to do some great things within my career. I spent some time in Germany learning some grocery business, bringing, bringing actually Lidl, the brand, to the United States. I worked for Kroger a while as well prior to that. And currently I'm working on a startup concept that has done some pretty neat things in the past couple of years. So still kind of riding that train, love the idea of working when I want to, how I want to, and for myself. And, and we've been able to do some exciting things with that. With that said, one of my business partners has actually tipped the hat or reinvigorated my spirituality and, and wellness, I think is what she calls it overall. And so we have some great conversations with that. And I really wanted to touch base with you today on the subject since you got the podcast going. Absolutely. And that's one of the Exciting things about starting this podcast is that it resonates with people. And you and I have never once even broached the subject of spirituality. So it's cool that we have a platform to do so. Definitely. So yeah, with that, why don't you tell us how you started to get interested in spirituality? So for me, it's something that I, even at a young age, like as a kid, you know, certain things exist. Like I think certain people just innately have this ability to either tap into that energy or to feel it or to know that there's something greater there or to feel that connectedness that we all have. And as you age and in your teenage years, it's definitely not cool to allow yourself to think that stuff like that exists. But as I've gotten older now in my 30s, it's just shown up in so many different ways and you just can't hesitate but to honor them and and acknowledge them and, and start to even research the stuff and read the books about it and it just comes into play in your life so much, or it has for me in the past couple of years that, that I've just decided to keep it front of mind and notice it when it's there. So are there times that you can remember as a kid that you experienced supernatural things or spiritual? Yeah. So there was this one time, uh, Eric Ross, shout out. We were at Winton Woods. It was me, him and his mom. And my claim to fame, really my entire life has been, I bet you I'm faster than you. You know, I love to foot race and Eric was a hell of an athlete himself. And so we were little, little boys. He must've been like five or six years old. And, and we're racing down. Winton Woods used to have like this, essentially like a long pier. And it was right next to what was a man-made lake. So there's no beach or anything involved. Anyways, we're racing. 
I was winning. There was nobody in front of me, nobody around me. And I managed to fall into that lake as I was looking behind myself to make sure that I was winning the race. So I couldn't swim at the time. I can remember the panic and just in my mind, I had known because I I was running, right? There was nobody. I I had no one in my periphery. I don't recall seeing anybody there. Eric wouldn't have been size enough to get me out of the water. His arms weren't long enough. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking at at that age that I was going to die there. What happened was ultimately somebody was there, you know, somebody must have been around. But this person, older gentleman, don't really remember his face, fair skin guy, whatever, sticks one arm up, lifts me out really easily. It was nothing for him. And by that time, you know, I had, I was still kind of in shock, but Eric's mom is there now. Eric is there now. They're like trying to brush me off. I'm, I'm all wet. And the person just like smiles and waves and walks away. And the comment that Celeste Ross was her name made was something like, oh my God, you're, you're so lucky that guy's an angel. And for me, that was kind of like my first real taste of it. It's like, sometimes bad things just aren't allowed to happen to you. Sometimes, sometimes the universe just has your back. More recently, and I think a better example is when I watched my aunt pass away several years ago now, that experience was very powerful. She was, she's a cancer survivor. This is now the third, the third time it reared its head and just her whole body was shut down. So if you've ever experienced this, like people, she, she couldn't bowel movement by herself. She can't ingest any food. She can't eat your body. Just, it just takes over. It's awful to watch somebody go out like that, but to watch her over the course of about 48 hours in this sort of a vegetable state, and to see how just my presence, I, I mean, she couldn't really open her eyes or anything, but somebody would tell her she could receive somehow that I was in her vicinity. And then when I touched her hand, whatever strength she had in her body, she used to to squeeze my hand or, or try to shake my hand, just show some sign of life. That was really powerful to me because I later realized that she was kind of already dead or in this in-between space. And then the crazier part of that bit is, I had a really close relationship with my auntie Linda, but her sister, Cheryl, was very close with her. They came up since they were really little girls. Cheryl, at the time, was teaching English in China. So she was the last family member to arrive. And it's like out of a movie to see her, to see Linda hold on for this amount of these final hours. And Cheryl shows up and literally five or 10 minutes later, she's just let go. And so for me, that was a super powerful wake up call. And like, there's these bedside books in the hospice place that are like explaining why she's doing this or all these different, really interesting concepts. And so that was a really, I mean, that was like right in my face to see somebody essentially in between existences and to see what what she was capable of and, and what that looked like. It was literally just a spirit laying there, you know, her body was all but gone. So that was very powerful for me. Did that experience change your views of death at all? Yeah, it did. It really gives you, I think for me it did, because it really gives you this lens into how much control you'll have of that when that moment comes. And I think there's a certain amount of mental fortitude that goes along with all of that. There's some people where... They hold on for longer than some people that that just go peacefully just when they go, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, but yeah, I think it's not like as cut and dry as black and white as a lot of people think, even in those dire medical situations. And I think that that's all relative. Obviously, if you, if you sustain several gunshots to your head, that window of, of time when you can exist in, in between the two spaces or in between whatever's going on is, is a lot shorter, potentially. But 
definitely from from my understanding of it as a child to after watching her transition was uh, I think I had a, a much greater knowledge of how long that can take or how long the human it's it's almost like a collective experience until mm-hmm. her best sister showed up and she could finally say whatever goodbye she wanted to say physically on the side mm-hmm. is when she decided that it was time and you use the word transition and I think that's a really powerful word and an interpretation of death that I've been thinking a lot more about lately and would just love if you would explain what that means to you, transition. So I think it's like essentially that same conversation we're having around you ultimately decide when you transition, when you go, uh, when you die, uh, when you leave your physical body. I think there's a lot of signs that give you that take you to that brink, but you can hold on on that brink for, in my experience, a couple weeks, really, to call it a coma, but people do it for months, if not mm-hmm. years in, in cases, right? And people come back. So you, you do have a certain ability within your spirit and your mind work together to agree to complete that transition. Were you religious growing up? Yes, I would say I would say that's accurate. Being spoon-fed or force-fed, that sort of a thing from your parents was super common when we came up. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, early 2000s. It's like, man, that was, man, those were crazy times looking back on it, actually, in terms of the ideas that were forced upon us. I'd say in my existence now, I don't remember the last time I went to an organized place of religion or a church. It's not that I'm against those things. I just think what I believe in, I, I know that there's an existence uh, of a greater being. I'm not quite sure I understand fully what that is, what that looks like, if that's all of us or not. But I think spirituality is just a better term for it. And so as you've gotten more into spirituality, are there certain, you mentioned research, are there certain books that you read or your business partner, you mentioned certain stories that she told you that really continued to, I guess, support your curiosity? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me was called The Power of Now. I forget the author at this time, but the Echo Tolle. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that was one that she mentioned to me a while back, and then I audiobooked it and listened, and I found it very intriguing. And I took away a lot of just different little tidbits here and there about the power of not and not trying to live too far beyond where you're at in the current moment, and about how important that can be. And really, I think the main takeaway for me after you know listening to that whole book was just how lost that concept is on the 2021 world, yeah, especially right. Like, there's just nobody. And the, the simplest way I can break it down is like, and I always remember this one, and I, and I constantly said this. Like, I was like a broken record player after I finished the book. I was like, dude, when was the last time you just brushed your teeth or just mm-hmm. washed your hands? Everybody's so busy. We're all in our phones all the time, and I'm one of the worst with this. It's, terrible but to consciously just try to do a simple task and be in that task be in that moment is even a challenge so since you've been thinking about the power of now why do you think that's important i think it wraps into a lot of concepts around way darker stuff that that i don't think is we're, we're talking about today but just the innate power of the human body and our brain is so great. And we just start having that slowly stripped away as we exist in a very material world. So not being able to enjoy life's little moments 
is really how you fall deeper and deeper into wanting to have more and more stuff or do more and more tasks or whatever that looks like for the person, you know, whatever they were taught, whatever they were given. But none of it really resonates with why we're here. Enjoying your your stay. Have you found any tactics or techniques to be more present? For me, the best one too, or the best one that I that I try to constantly do, as I've already mentioned, I'm pretty bad at it. But controlling your breathing is something that I notice can be really valuable. You know, just exaggerating that and really taking your time to to inhale and exhale in a moment can be massive. So, Matt, you mentioned you lived in Germany for a little while, and I would love to learn more about your experience over there. Yeah, man, it was cool. It was in. Just seeing people from so many different walks of life. My good friends were some dudes from Ghana. This one dude from London, who's basically just an ex-con, who's like just on the run. Super good dude. You know, he never tried to steal from anything, but like (laughs) he he had no problem telling you that he's kind of a gangster. But to just have, my mind was just opened, right? So when you come from this like heavily American diet of ideas and constructs and how the world works, and then you get thrown into this like two-year stint across the way and you befriend these Ghanaian crooks, you have some new ideas introduced to you and you find a different way that the world works. And so I think that for me was probably the biggest takeaway to just be challenged in what I thought for so and so long was just how it was. And Hamburg is where I spent most of my time. That's also one of those, I don't know if, if this analogy or if this will make sense, but like New Orleans is also a more spiritually, has a spiritual foundation in, in and of the city, right? Hamburg is similar to that. It's hard to, for me to explain it and put my finger on it, but like, it's just a place where I think both sides, if you will, exist, right? So there's clearly good and bad, like that clearly all exists. And in just the intensity with which it, which it exists, I think Hamburg is, is one of those places that has a lot of that spiritual activity going on. And when you talk about it challenging your constructs or pre-existing paradigms, are there any new ideas in particular that come to mind? Just for me, like to understand the general consensus about United States military conquests. Mm-hmm. And what that means for the world at large or the people that aren't from where we're from, it is just a different lens entirely. It's just, and it makes you really question. It's like, well, oh, man, I was always taught that this was good for the most people or was doing the most good for the most people, but that may not maybe have been the case. And just really getting in touch with that and, and trying to face that and trying to understand what your what you have to do with that or what fault of yours that could potentially be and just internalizing those feelings and, and how just your existence, how, where you were born could potentially make other people feel. It's a great point you bring up. And I think it's a common experience for people traveling abroad is that they can feel like it's almost a cliche at this point, like, Oh, the American traveling. And it's fine to dismiss that offhand and be like, whoa, whatever, we're America, we're number one. But it's like, no, like, look, take a second and dive a little deeper. What about our foreign policy could be making them believe this? And by the way, you're talking about Hamburg, Germany. Western Europe is our staunchest ally, right? So (laughs) it's something I think a lot about as well. Yeah. 
it was tough. It was tough. And it was a lot of moments sitting around smoking weed and just having these deep conversations, which is literally in my history, in my journey, the worst times when I'm like high on marijuana. I just want to sit, listen to some nice music and just, and just chill. <laughs> a lot of people find it the right time to talk about crazy shit. I've had to get used to that. Anyways, it's one of those moments where you're just challenged with something and it just hits you so deep and you're like, dang, it's like a life-changing thing. Literally all my life, I thought one thing. And with two sentences and a funny cigarette, I'm back to square one. I'm like, well, what do I even know about any of this? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's good that you're challenging yourself and your preconceived notions. And one of the biggest traps people get into And often the smartest people, the exact mistake they make is that they think that they're so good at learning information that once they have a thought process, they never challenge it. Yeah. I've been reading just in articles and things like that too. There's a certain niceness. There's a certain quality to people who just want to learn. Somebody like, it's almost better to be able to take a blank slate and teach that person than to have to deal with somebody who's already got it all figured out. Are there any outside of that time you mentioned in Germany when you're thinking about your views on American military policy, are there any other times in your life that stick out where you felt certain about something and then in hindsight, you just could not have been more wrong? For me, one cool parallel is when we talk about this existence and spirituality and these things in general, right? You asked about church and religion. So I can recall, and I know most times when I go to this place, there are overwhelming times of like this energy, this positive force moving throughout that place, being the church or this body of people, this group of folks, whatever. But there are also times where some dark, some crazy dark and really human earth type things happen with that same group of people. And it's almost like a cycle, man. Like, it's really interesting. And so you're so sure of something existing in, in these, the child, these pastors, these preachers being such good people and come to find out 10 years later, oh, this guy was actually like banging the, the young girl who was teaching the kid Sunday school or whatever. And he's, he's married. And it just really breaks down your ideas of, I don't know, that rips away that need for religion. And that spiritual bit still exists. You know, I still know what it feels like to be there. I still go there sometimes and am overwhelmed by such nostalgia and whatever I accomplished there as a child that I'll just break it down into tears when they're singing these beautiful hymns and shit. At the same time, it's like, it's all balanced out with some interesting uh, skeletons in everyone's closet too. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think that's obviously a lot has come out with the Catholic church in recent years too. And I think that's yep. been hard for a lot of people. And it's almost like you think about some of your famous artists, right? Like think about like Michael Jackson of the world or, or whoever, where their music, their art may have touched you so deeply to your core mm. that I feel like that could, that's the same way with organized religion in, in some ways where it's hard, but you want to be able to extricate the spiritual love and community that it brought so many good people and be able to separate that from the institution, from the hierarchy, from the power structure and from the nefarious men involved But just to make that disconnection can be challenging for people. And I think that's why religion is such a a tough topic for a lot of people to think about these days. Yeah, dude, it's it's really interesting because now with mainstream, these issues and these bits with it, you're just like, bro, what? Like, come on. And it's it feels so bad. 
And especially if you haven't had the good times, like I've been lucky to have those enormous waves. So like you can feel that. And again, yes, the vibrations. And, and if you understand that too, right, they got the organs going and all these good things. And, and that's hard to miss in the type of church that I came up in. But also, you know, those negative bits about it are, are just built right in, man. And they never fail. We've been through my home church, whatever, we've been through like, what, three or four pastors with similar, an exit plan. And it's just like, what's going on here, man? And nobody's perfect. I mean, I guess that goes to show you that whole bit. So even these guys that are trying to sell this dream, they're under a lot of pressure. They can't do it either. So what's the answer? So was it a uh, culture shock at all coming back from Europe? Yeah, dude, it's crazy. It flip-flops. So like going over there, you have your, your ideas challenged. And then I can remember I come back for Thanksgivings and Christmas. I was the weird guy. I was a fucking, I was a European guy. Like I was a weird guy. <laughs> you know, You're wearing uh, a beret, drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, dude, I was weird. I was like, oh man, that's like wasteful. Like you're just being, you know what I mean? Different things are important. Uh, so there was definitely culture shock. Like, I couldn't eat. It's the same. It, it, flip, it totally rubber bands and flip-flops. So you go over there, you can't eat anything for a while. Your body has to acclimate to that. You come back, chat at McDonald's for the first time. You're sick for two days. Like, it was nuts, man. And then just interacting with people took its toll in terms of being that heavy American going over there and then coming back, being a European person or an expat, you're just, you're kind of obvious, but I'd say the growth overall, once all those things balance out was massive for me. I think mm-hmm. I'm just a different person. I have a different understanding of, of myself. That was overall like a massive W. That's awesome. What are some of the places where you think you grew the most? I think in my ability to listen and understand, not only other people, but just myself. I always talk about like the positive side of being over there and the fun times. A lot of it was really challenging. You know, you're, you're somewhere by yourself. In my cohort, there was two other people, but both of them were couples and they were married. So essentially for the better part of the first six to nine months there, it was just a lot of you're by yourself. You just work all day, five to six type thing and come home and maybe try to scrape together some dinner in a foreign country if you know how to you know what i mean like it was it was really tough and learning how to deal with okay this is why i'm tired this is why i'm sad this is challenging that is okay like just learning how to internalize those things and like have that good self-talk and just try to manage a daily life by yourself is a good skill to have and you mentioned that came home with some crazy ideas and this is safe space for crazy ideas and Would you be able to elaborate any further on some of those ideas? Man, just the whole bit, just trying to tell people these more radical understandings of our political or our conquests, if you will, or just being more of the world and just being not your average, not your typical American, just seeing things Mm -hmm. through a different lens and challenging your family members on those things. Those were crazy ideas to to most. It was only very few people like my brother and John and I had some pretty good conversations Mm -hmm. in that realm because he had done similar things in his childhood in terms Mm -hmm. of living abroad. But if people aren't, that's just corny, but woke to that sort of a concept, what you're saying sounds insane because people just really aren't hip to, you know, they haven't, that's not something that's been in their, in their brain. And I think to your point about preconceived notions, and it's important to recognize perception and how heavily the 
news channels and the entertainment influences our perception of the world for those of us who grew up in the United States. Yeah. Well, okay. That's a really good point because that same thing exists everywhere, right? Like these blocks of blockchains of brainwash exist everywhere. You know what I mean? It's just, which one are you a victim of or not, or which one has gotten you? And I think that's one of the reasons why they say reading is so powerful is -hmm. because reading things doesn't, I mean, it lends itself to, you have to kind of think and figure out your own opinion about the content you're reading. Whereas if it's delivered to you by a talking head or, or whatever in these media magnets, then you're, that's what you have. And that's what excites me about the time that we're living in. I always reemphasize this, but people get so down about technology and what have you, but we have access to so much information today. I mean, yeah. Think about like the, the printing press was created, what, like 500 years ago, and that completely changed the course of human evolution. And we now have access to every piece of information that's ever been produced. Yeah. And times and times over. What do you think about where we're headed? Like, because there's, I think there's just so much. Yeah. A couple of things. I think for sure the future is going to be very different than the past. Uh-huh. And probably in more ways than people recognize. I personally think we're at this crossroads where either there's a collective elevation of human consciousness, we get off of fossil fuels, we recognize that war is no longer a viable option given the technologies that we developed, or we continue down this path and you know we have to deal with global climate collapse, potentially World War III, which these are very scary prospects. I personally think that we're going in the direction of the former and, and I'm really optimistic about the future, but things can change quickly and you know, we're in scary times. Yeah, I hear you, man. I think about what this is all gonna mean in our lifetime. Cause I think we're at that point where that question is we're gonna mm-hmm. have to answer that question. There's some interesting things that are happening, and if you really want to look up crazy. Those conspiracy theories and that type of stuff. And there's people that are pointing to, you name it, bro. Well, let's name it. What do you think's going on? (laughs) I don't know, brother. I just, you may know I was a huge Travis Scott fan. I didn't like a lot of that. That was really wild to me. Some of those visuals. Talk to a buddy who was at that. We're coming up on the year anniversary from an event that happened on January 6th last year. That was really unprecedented. There's an elephant in the room, which is like, yeah, the tech is, is all really cool. The metaverse is great. I'm making a lot of money in crypto. But like, what does all that stuff mean? What does that have to do with anything? And if you try to connect it too much to these things that people say that it is, it's just like, well, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm just here, you know? I think, again, that's when spirituality comes in for me. And it's just like, okay, man, well... If you get this part down, if you enjoy what you do have, if you enjoy the people in your life, if you enjoy the time you do have, whenever that shit happens, if it's fucked up, it's fucked up. We had a good time while we were here. Well, it was like normal. Well, it was kind of like the 90s. And that's the thing at the end of the day, right, is all you can really control is your mind, how you react to the cards that you're dealt. Obviously, we all want to self-actualize and manifest the best possible outcome. But I think we all agree there's a certain element of things that are completely out of your control. So yeah, just roll with the punches. Yeah, no, that's, that's real. I don't think it's oversimplified either, because if you, there's people 
and I'm sure you know about this, who've mastered these things to such a degree where it's like, literally they could be on fire. That doesn't matter. They're just chill. Cause they're actually not on fire. Cause they've decided I'm not on fire. Or like, I guess a better example. L. So this is what came up with my business partner. And I, last time I had lunch was like the cold shower thing. Or she's reading some book about how pain is actually pleasure. The chemicals released in that is somehow pleasurable. And I was like, oh, that's like when you take a cold shower and it, and it actually sucks, but it actually feels great at the same time. Just something about it. And it just feels great. Have you heard of this idea of the hero's journey? It's basically this idea that, you know, if you look at mythology and fiction, all of literature in a sense is like an archetype of us all following the same hero's journey of going through a challenge, going through like an initiatory Uh, transition period, it being very difficult, but then you overcome accomplishing your goals and then coming out better on the other end of it. And I think there is an element of no pain, no gain. You appreciate it more having come through a challenge than if everything was just smooth sailing the whole way. That makes sense. I was reading um, most recent like business book I read, kind of similar vein was about, it's called building a story brand. And essentially it talks about that same concept. They're like putting all your messages out in a business format in such a way that makes your potential customer the protagonist of the story, your brand as the guide to lead them on that hero's journey. And it basically... Yeah, it likens it to like all the mo- like every movie ever, right? The Bible is that, like any religious book is that. There's all these type of guy stuff in these books. And I mean, it just dates back to stories that the human brain can process in such a way. Tell me about the role music has played in your life. Massive one, man. It's interesting. There, there'll be days that go by where I get busy doing stuff and I forget to turn it on. And I won't listen to a song of my choice for a day or maybe a a week or so at a time. And that's really bad. YouTube can be great to learn and and hone your skills and try to become an expert in these different things that exist, but it's not music. It's not your favorite song. It's not the things that gave you life in different times in your life. But music has played a massive role in my life forever. You know, I have a, it's not like an active memory, but I know there was one time when I was probably three years old. And my dad is playing whatever he's got on his A-tracks in our old crib in Cincinnati. And I can remember like catching the beat, dancing on the actual, with the waves of the music. And music has just been a massive part of my life, man. Like there's certain Kanye West songs that come on and I can't control myself. There's like the nostalgia baked into a lot of the shit we listened to at your crib back in the day, Mr. Brightside and that type of thing. (laughs) And for me, that's, I think the biggest bit with music has been that I attach it to stuff. It's attached to things. And one thing that's cool for me lately is like these music apps, you can go to years. You can type in like hip hop from 03, 07. That will send you on a crazy nostalgia journey, right? Oh my God, this is when I was graduating high school when this shit came out. Or like 2016 was a massive year for me because it was when I came back from Germany. There was a lot, a lot, a lot of crazy shit going on in my life at that point in time. But yeah. Music is dope. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What do you think it is about music that speaks to you so much? So I think it's those vibrations. And this, to attach to this conversation, we all exist in this very similar, I mean, everything is, the scientists, science says it's or photons, electrons, and blah, 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 whatever else. So that sound is, is that too, essentially. 
And so there's ways that it can be arranged. And these people know this, right? Like this is, you can study this in such a way that can do things to us, either positive or negative. So back to the church thing where you feel these crazy, insane, positive highs, or back to the Travis Scott thing where it was literally like demonic things were being raised out of these people to trample their fellow humans in plain sight. It's just crazy. I think it's massively mind mind moving in ways and in the wrong hands, it can be really dangerous or really awesome. That's crazy. I didn't realize that's the Travis Scott situation. Well, this is, this is my crazy take on it, but actually it's not my crazy take on it. My buddy who was at the concert, you may have met him before. He admitted to a couple of things that I'd heard in my little YouTube rabbit hole that I'd gone down. He also said something that I didn't hear, which was, Matt, something just wasn't right. He said, but I still go back. That shit was tight, whatever, whatever, right? But like, he said something wasn't right. And I've known for a very long time, like you don't have to know much about this concept to hear our Travis Scott song and be like, oh man, now that's some fucked up shit. Like, like I want to break stuff right now. Like that's literally how it goes. And he, that's his dish stick. Me and my brother analyzed this over the years. So this is not new. This is not like a one-time thing. This is like a thing. And that's just written into the bass lines and into the instrument selections in this stuff, mm. man. It's interesting if you break it down, but yeah, I think that definitely at that point, you figure a bunch of teenage kids, ish or early 20s, mm-hmm. you figure alcohol and potentially drugs. And then you add in some extremely powerful, extremely loud, extremely exciting music. There you go. I mean, it's crazy, but it makes sense in the sense of that primal tone, that just resonance, of yeah. power, that vibration to your point, like people get in sync mm-hmm. with an yeah. energy and an atmosphere and it's powerful stuff. Yeah. And in a way, it's crazy. It's disgusting. It's crazy. But like, yeah, that in syncness, that oneness, we can learn from that in the right context. That can be really beautiful. But like, you clearly in the, in the wrong context, it's pretty fucked up. Rest in peace to all those people, by the way. Yeah, rest in peace. But on a lighter note, I mean, music is dope. Music is incredible. I was going to say it's beautiful in a sense because those vibrations were, I mean, that, that's power, man. That's, that's crazy, man. And music is, is that powerful. We don't know enough about that. We never talk about that in high school. That's not our curriculum at all. But you have to understand, hey, man, listen, like, this shit is powerful, man. It is. And I talk a lot on this podcast about the power of consciousness. But to your point, I think the power of harmonics and sound is so much more powerful than we recognize today. And I think there's potentially elements related to what we were talking about earlier, where there's just a global infrastructure that does not want to get off fossil fuels and is not exploring these alternate energies as much Mm. as we should be. Yeah. That would be cool if we could make the same type of energy with music. Huh? Or those vibrations. Yeah, dude. I don't know. How much of that do you think you said you're optimistic about it? I am too. I think ultimately a lot of us have, a lot to do here but how do you see that playing out do you see 
that consciousness, that overall spiritual awakening, is that going to be just like a snap thing or are we headed towards some other events that will lead us to that? For me, the more I've learned about this idea of like the unified field of consciousness and this idea of zero point energy through which energy is abundant, I think that the ability to get off fossil fuels is definitely very possible. It's just going to take investment and it's going to take people just you know, recognizing that it is, that there is more to consciousness than meets the eye and treating it as a serious scientific field. And that's just such a uncertainty to me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's super powerful. I mean, the education factor with it, right. How do we get enough people to value this and and sign the petitions and stuff like that? Right. Who's gonna, who's gonna step up and do, do the thing so that somebody's network will tell that story for the world. I've read that the Vedic tradition has this idea of time moving in cycles. And right now we're at the very end, the twilight of the final cycle of a 10 cycle cycle. To me, that means we're at this inflection point where things are much crazier than they have been in the past. And we're seeing that to your point about what happened a year ago with our government was almost overthrown. And it's like, man, people don't even really care. Yeah. No, that what you just mentioned, I want to hear more about. That sounds really cool. At the end of a 10 cycle cycle. So we're like at a fork right now and either it's going to be like really awesome or who knows. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude, that's deep. I love that. It's so magnificent, man. Just to, to feel small sometimes is really cool, you know, and to just realize like just how much, world slash universe is out there and then like the parallel and like the near-death experience or just like that voice in your head that tells you like oh just like look one more time left like don't turn yet or like you know what i mean just like sometimes you just have those moments where it's like wait a minute it's hard to place yeah, I think it's like that same voice that's that conscious in, in your back of your mind like even when you're like should i do this like you know like you, that little voice is like come on Quit kidding yourself. You know it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Man, I've actually had some times in my life that I wish I would have listened to that. And you haven't because of whatever your foundation was, whatever the media, you know what I mean? Like these types of things. And that's what like a lot of these entrepreneur type, bet on yourself, like all this type (laughs) of stuff. That's all a part of the journey though. It's all a part of like, learning yourself and trusting those things. Are there any um, specific times that come to mind that you wish you'd listen to that voice? Uh, I think the biggest one for me was I never wanted to go to the Kelly School of Business. I wanted to go to art fucking school at IU. I was like a really gifted, uh, I mean, this is like way back at like Adobe Photoshop V1. Yeah. And I, I remember we were in uh, APR together. You crushed yeah, it. Yeah, I, I used to love that stuff. And that was really my passion and, and has been ever since. But I wish I would have just, you know, a lot of kids do that. And their parents send them off to go, especially when we were coming. All right, you're here. You're going to do And like they pick your major and your shift. And that was like the most detrimental thing ever. I should have just like lied and just like, oh yeah, it's all good. Like I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> just did the art shit, man. But I didn't do it, man. So yeah. eh, whatever. That's all part of the journey too, though, right? Totally. And backing into 
whatever it is and mm-hmm. having these extra skills that, that she would have never had. I'm just grateful, man. But that's one thing I think about that sometimes. And there's been other times too. But it's mainly, I think that's like, I think about it all as like forks. Like you have a, it's like an either or sort of a thing. And like the story changes. It's like the Mad Lib shit. That's all it is in the end anyway. It's, it's binary shit. Mostly everything. Well, and it's great that you said that you're able to still be in art today. And I had a not too dissimilar situation where I picked up guitar in like sixth grade, was loving it for a year, and then found girls and got sick of it and forgot about it till last year. And then you know, got back into it. How are you liking it now? Dude, love it. Love it, yeah. man. The guitar is sweet. Maybe that's something that education should look at later. It's like, okay, let's try to uncover what this human does and loves at a pretty reasonable to high level. And let's just do that. Instead of throwing the kitchen sink at everybody. Yeah. Our education system to me is just so outdated, like so through no one's fault of their own. It's it's a very difficult bureaucracy to figure out, but it's just, man, oh man, there's just so much room for innovation. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. I think you're right. In terms of maybe that's kind of some things to come at the end of this cycle of 10 cycles, maybe there's going to be some, some new concepts, some new ideas, some new ways mm-hmm. to think about things. I hope so. Yeah, me too, man. Mm-hmm. It'd be cool to raise kids that don't have to deal with that. Like it, it would almost be like a pain to have to relive that. See your like seventh grade kid bringing home this fucking impossible like to do sheets. And you're just like, ah, oh, man, I can't do that shit either. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's going to be, I mean, to our conversation earlier, it's just, how do you even think about like, raising your kids in today's environment when the future just is going to be so different than what we grew up. Yeah. That's one thing too. When it comes to consciousness is like, you hear these numbers that are raising that are staggering and you know why it is. It has to do with these things and the fact that they just have such control over our lives. I think the future consists a lot of what you see now that's popping up in all these apps. is like these responsibility measures, right? Like Instagram's front and center now is, okay, you can, Tell yourself you're using Instagram too much, which is like a ridiculous thing, but that's what people need at this point. Well, that's progress, right? Yeah, for sure. Two steps forward, one steps back. <laughs> yeah. What do you think it is about modern society that makes people want to distract themselves? That's a really good question. I think it has to do with, if you really take a step back, What is considered a really good life is like these certain specific occupations, right? And you have to get your position so that you can get a certain abode for yourself and your family, right? But even at that, we spend so much time away from each other in order just to have those things by and large. Like the only people really having like an awesome human experience is fucking the Kardashians. And not even them at that point. Like the, the mega rich people, their kids are crushing it. Dude, they just go from yacht to yacht, PJ to PJ, and they're just crushing it. They hang out with their other friend, super rich daughter. She might be hot or not, whatever. Dude, like they're having the time of their lives all the time. And they don't have any worries. Life, to get a life like that is relatively impossible if you're not in that bracket. If you're not Elon Musk's kid, kind of fucked. 
Well, even if you are, he's fucked. I think up, those right? those people living that lifestyle are like really happy. And that's, yeah, I guess that's, that's to me the problem is like we're chasing this image of what we think will make us happy, and the people who are lucky enough to get there realize it's it's, it's not even it. You know, you're right. I think after the the people who are actually happy are the people who know the people who exist without all the layers of the stuff. So one of the best accounts I follow recently is like this random account from like South Africa or something called like Yes Jamal. And it's literally just these South African dudes just like jumping into this body of water off of this deck. And they just like put it to some dope techno drive, sometimes with hip hop and see dudes just doing gators off the thing. They just have the time of their life. And it's just cool for me because you're scrolling and you see this stuff and then you see these homies just splashing the water. You're like, wow, man, that, that's fire. Like, that's, really, <laughs> <laughs> that's pure, you know? But that type of energy, right, that exists, I think, in a very small amount. And with crypto and stuff, I think those things are being minimized even further. Everyone can do tasks now to gain money in this format. Very interesting. Yeah. And you've mentioned crypto a few times. How did you get into crypto in the first place? I think it was because my little brother was talking about it and was telling me he was invested and he's he was just telling about some of the research he'd been doing. And so I just started looking into it for myself. And I figured, you know, this seems to be, I think the best comparison is it seems to be like when the internet first came out and there's like a lot of, there's crocs of shit everywhere within that. But then there was also Google and Netscape and other things. Mm-hmm. Facebook is a great example. Amazon. Amazon, these things that if you stored some money, those places a couple of years prior, you, you don't have to work anymore. And so I think that for me, when we're talking like throwing it back to that happiness quotient, having this ability to just be places and to travel and go share memories with the people you love. And I think for me, I've always had this want or this need to like provide that to have arrived at such a point where you can like, nah, man, it's all good. Like, let's just go and experience this together as a family. And that's a tough place to reach, but maybe you're right. Maybe that still wouldn't even feel like happiness. When it gets back to being present and in a sense, like if you're always looking for happiness there, you're never going to have happiness here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ta- so Tabitha is her name. One of my business partners, she mentioned a lot about this enjoying the journey bit, which is powerful because just like to what you said, just, you know, it's not perfect. I'm not at this place that I've, decided as a goal or whatever but like to enjoy what it means to get there or however far i get to get there can mean uh, massive things and you mentioned your brother a few times i'd love to hear about what your brother's meant to you throughout your life yeah man michael cole is just he's a guy that i probably offered a lot of value to in terms of like teaching things and showing him things when we were young men young boys rather But as I've been a young man, he's been setting the bar high for me in terms of just what he's shown me and just what he's he's accomplished with with himself and just even interpersonally. He was the young one of two older siblings. And so he had probably the toughest challenge as a child because we just fuck with him all the time. (laughs) Because that's what older brothers do. But like Uh he came out so solid through that fire. And I've learned a lot about myself and uh 
how to carry myself in a better way and just have a calmer demeanor based on his energy. So he's, he's definitely my best friend. And we don't talk every day, but we talk a lot. Just a ton of inside jokes, man. We're just like nostalgia junkies. That's my guy. We're two very different people, though. I think for me, the biggest part, this is so tied to consciousness, too, is like when you understand that your siblings are the closest thing you have to your dead parents, your relationship with them changes drastically. And that's actually one of the things that when I finally got over myself and decided I'm going to marry this beautiful girl. It was in a moment like that when it was one random Saturday. She had moved in a couple months prior. We FaceTime my parents and her parents a couple hours later, just lazy Saturday shit chilling. And I realized these people mean so much to me and that being present, that was when I was like actually really happy, probably during the time I was reading Power Now. But like you just realize it just happened so quickly. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is actually all I have. Yeah, I told Cyrus that she yesterday, her, her little brother, because they like to fuck with each other still, they're kind of still that age. Well, not really. He's he's 20, but they're just, that's their gig, right? They like to mess around. And I was like, you and your sister are going to be super close and blah, blah, blah. And I was ex- describing that to him. He's like, made him think a little bit. Those things, I should have mentioned those earlier, man. That's like the positive side of it all for me. You just realize like who you're, what you have and, and what those memories ultimately amount to and who will be able to relive those when those are physically uh, no longer here. And you mentioned how you and Michael are very different people, despite having obviously the same parents. And I'm curious, what do you attribute that to? I think that's mainly just uh, something that has to do with like our interests at the, at the heart of it. But then also, I think it's when you, the years that your life consists of, I think make up that, crock of shit that becomes who you are a lot mm-hmm. too i don't know he was a couple years behind me there's just things that were different and even those two three-year difference whatever that actually is and i think also there's something there's something to be said about the older brother younger brother bit there's just so many narratives and again i don't know how much of this is played out in these movies we see in this media that we're consuming that some of these things just come true or just just live and breathe almost within our human experiences. That's a great question. I'm trying to think about what other factions found. Yeah. The other reason I ask is it's something I've been thinking about a lot too. Like how much of it, you know, my differences with my sisters is related to age or friends or, you know, different school circumstances, things that happen naturally versus how much is an element of like, we have a unique soul that regardless of who our siblings were, they're always mm. going to be discrepancy. Mm, that's very interesting. I think, I think that's actually getting towards the understanding of it because so many different groups of siblings with similar differences in that range of age perform, I'll say, or exist in, in different formats. They perform differently. Like they exist, brothers exist differently. So two sets of brothers, three years apart, it's just an entirely separate thing per one. I think you're right. It's just how does your soul coexist with this other person's? Saw a buddy make a a best man speech for his younger brother at a wedding recently. And it was a very different vibe than than the one that my brother gave for me. You can just see how the in certain duos of those souls, like things play out one way and can be another way. And then there's other experiences entirely where like 
these people really don't get along. Like there's the fragmented families thing, the brothers who do really weird, combative, fucked up shit to each other their whole life. And that becomes like their journey. Yeah, there's, there's all, everything in between. Yeah, everything in between. Everyone's on a unique journey. I think a lot about the people that like the universe places in, in your life. And sometimes you like get that person, that perfect person for whatever the season is. And sometimes that person stays around for a really long time. Or other times, like it's like a flash in the pan and it's just somebody that you needed to get you through, you know, whatever. And these aren't, I'm not making romantic passes at these. These exist in so many different formats. Just even if you think about how many times you could say your best friend or who you hung out with the most in high school changed or college is a great one because that is a finite period of time. And the people that passed by in your life in that time, a lot of them I don't remember. But then there were super important ones who existed. And if you think about it, you can see what that person was there to do for your journey or or what that person may have held you from or protected you from in essence or taught you. And it's interesting even too, as you talk about back in college and who you were then. And I think the same, I think it's funny that I joined a fraternity and I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Oh God, that's a great question. That one is tough to, it's not tough. It was a time of my life during it. And I don't really, I don't regret it at all. But that one in today's like cancel culture, culture, like it's just so interesting. Every time it comes up, you're like, wait, why'd you ever turn? Like ATO was on 60 Minutes like three weeks ago during Thanksgiving because someone else <laughs> died. Dude, rest in peace to that person. But like, it's just one of those things that whenever it comes up in conversation, you're just like, oh, here we go with this. And it's kind of odd to try to, to have to explain yourself in a different chapter where the circumstances were different. Like, it wasn't a question when we were there. Like, there was no issue with that. And we all did things that I'm sure we're not proud of. And I'm sure in that scene, that stuff still probably happens. I think for me, it just is back to that enjoying the journey, you know? But yeah, I do not like having that conversation. Or when people, like, try to box you in. It's like, oh, you you are a frat. Oh, you're a frat guy still. It's like, no, dude. It's not really how it works, man. How do you feel about Like, I'm sure you've had, to, you've had a similar experience with it yeah i mean you know to your point i don't regret it at all i had some incredible times i met amazing people but at the end of the day when i think about it it's just opportunity cost in the sense of like how much time i spent caring about fucking pairing with sororities and just catty shit with the fraternity and spent my weekends getting blackout drunk Mm. i feel like i'm i missed out on what I could have made that university experience. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's real. That's real. But I would devil's advocate with the access to enjoy those things was at, was at such a point or was so high, but yeah, I, you had a lot to offer, man. I I can, I still remember just walking through those trees and, and all that limestone and, and just mm-hmm. down there by the music school and then up towards right and like far north by the football fields and, and peaceful more peaceful moments and like it's a really cool place down there the, the sample gates like the, and those woods behind the law school is it's just like i would when i go back to bloomington here probably hopefully next year i'm just gonna go for a really long walk and that's all i really want to do
That's awesome. And that's a great way to put it. And that school, to your point, is just so gorgeous. It has a lot to offer, man. What did we miss out on? Maybe we did. And we, you know what we did that was also toxic? Is we never, I, I was hanging out with the same fuckers, you fuckers from Wyoming High School. <laughs> <laughs> Big fucking Tim, John, Tori. And again, no regrets. But like, to your point, what did you miss out? What, what, was, what else was I supposed to be doing and likely failing at there? to then be that much stronger later. Oh, man, that's, that's interesting. I'm like, man, you just planted that. See how many things I have for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny when you talk about, you know, what could have been. I mean, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on parallel universes? Oh, 100% exists. I still think, oh, man. So this one time I was driving back from Cincinnati to Richmond and there's a lot of rolling footage on there and on the drive, but it's like, at there's points where it's like, you know, it's not like the mountains you see out West close to you, but it's getting pretty curvy in there. Okay. And you're in between, it's coming like a Valley. So there's like trees lining this like downward. It's almost like the road was just built at the base of this Valley. Anyways, that voice in my head, it was like a, it was a wintry type of time. And you see the icicles on the trees and you see the trees and like that voice in my head just told me, you know what, man, it's two lanes going to the other. So it's like, need to slide in that left lane. These trees, oh, some, who knows, man, just who knows. And I kid you not, like 30 seconds later, I'm driving and this tree, it's like God like threw it out of the dude. It comes and with force, it smashes into what was an 18 wheeler in that lane that I had just happened to somehow narrowly use as like a, a pick. And all that happened was I ended up like that smash, smash into the cab of that car. Like, I don't know uh-huh. if that driver's okay. I saw him pull over in my review. I wasn't stopping to check it out. All that happened to me was I rolled over some pretty large log. I think my brakes were completely shot and uh-huh. they weren't working for the remainder of the hundred mile drive that I drove back somehow made that safely. Like there's just, there was just so many things in that little moment that happened that that parallel universe that was the my my closest experience with that recently anyways but yeah that's sort of a thing i think 100 percent. i mean it's got to be right that's what's crazy about it is when you say it's got to be like you know think about we know the known universe sure and like this idea of it's expanding but it's it's expanding into what right and what if there are higher dimensions that we just can't perceive because our perception's not you know too limited like it's just I don't know. It's, it just boggles my mind to think about like what is behind what we do know. Yeah. For me too, thinking about that moment right before you wake up or when you're like in that space, like what is that? Mm-hmm. And then all these things are, will mention how close like sleep is the cousin of death is like the, I think the thing you hear all the time and like the rap songs or whatever, but like, I don't know, man. I think there's a certain level of, validity to that totally agree right and like what the brain is capable of in, in those moments i mean that's essentially mm-hmm. meditation like sleeping is a form of, of that like somehow randomly every night we just like close our eyes for like eight hours and then like come back and we're like okay yeah let's do it, let's do it again yeah here we go when you talked about cycles earlier and i've also heard that there's ideas of reincarnation where just like we wake and sleep 
we live and die in this exact same cycle. And who's to say any part of it is more valid or valuable as an experience. Yeah, that's, I've been presented those ideas in terms of reincarnation before as well. And so once that's in your mind, it's really hard to not ever think about it. Like, even if your religion says that that is not how it works. Sometimes it does feel like you've been here before. You know, sometimes for me, things feel like, oh, this is too good to be true. Like in the grand scheme of balance and everything like, and so I, I'm trying to mentally prepare for what that could potentially look like because bad things happen or crazy things happen to good people all the time. And for me, I've not yet been faced with that phone call that's like life altering. I've seen some family members go and I've been able to spend some, some moments with them before then. There's been a cadence to things, but I don't know. That's all very much so in my mind. The reincarnation bit, the whole balance bit, the whole reward, pain, suffering, pleasure. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up the whole bad things happening to good people and what does that mean? And for me, as I've started to truly internalize that I believe my soul is eternal and that thinking about experience in a biological lifetime isn't the right way necessarily to think about experience and growth and that you know when you start thinking on the timeline of eternity and of having multiple lives and you think well maybe this is just the learning that that soul needed to have at this time but it doesn't mean that they're gone by any means do you think so and there's probably options with this this is how it works but like so let's say you you transition from this side from this physical status do you come back in another one do you land in some place for a little bit are you a ghost if you fucked <laughs> it up like or like are you an alien on another planet are you an alien on another planet <laughs> yeah it's crazy know. Think, think even this, like, what if, like, what if there is a guy in consciousness? Like, what if you come back as like the consciousness of a planet or something? I don't know. It's, it's crazy to think about, but it's not that far fetched. Maybe if you come back as like, I would want to be like one of those gigantic whales, bro. <laughs> <laughs> those whales that are like the size of fucking, or like a humongous squid, bro. Can you imagine? That would be sick. Those things are nuts. Actually, you put me on the Octonation and that thing, that- <laughs> That account is so high on my algorithm. Like every time they post, I'm like, damn, yeah. that's fire. <laughs> there was one, there was a sick one uh, this morning. It was like this cephalopod that can like hide itself in the sand. And it was like, they're like buried in. <laughs> and it like, started like yeah. these tentacles to like push sand on its head. And I sat there and watched 45 seconds of this guy do that. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'd probably want to come back one of those guys. That'd be sick. Matt, this has been so awesome. So much fun talking to you as always, my friend. Yeah, man. I I learned a ton. Got some things to look up now. This was a blast. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. You gave me a lot to think about. And, you know, it's been so much fun as always. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, dude. I I hope that was super cool. All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, Jordan. Have a good uh, rest of your week. Yeah, you too.
Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. I wanted to dive a bit deeper into this concept of cycles in time, which Matt and I touched on. I mentioned the idea of us being at the end of a 10-cycle cycle, which comes from an idea I was exploring around the Vedic ideas of cycles of time and sacred geometry. Specifically, I'd been thinking about the interpretation presented by the show Structure of Space and Time based on the research of Robert Lawler. And the idea he presents in that show is as follows. That the yuga system consists of cycles of 6,048 years each. These yugas appear in sets of 10, called a mahakalpa, equating to 60,480 years within each mahakalpa. Each mahakalpa is the shape of an inverted trectactus. I'll post a picture on Instagram of the shape, but it basically looks like an inverted triangle with nine smaller equal-sized triangles within this larger triangle. So the trectactus has four rows of ten points representing the intersection points of the smaller triangles, and the rows are laid out with the points in descending order of four, three, two, one. The first row is related to the Satya Yuga, meaning the age of consciousness and accomplishment, and equates to a period of four cycles, or four times 6,048 years. The second age is the age of ritual, or the silver era, the Treta Yuga, which lasts for three times 6,048 years. The third age is the Devapara Yuga, I'm probably saying that wrong, the age of doubt, or the Bronze Age, in this era lasts two times 6,048 years. And then the fourth and final age, or current one, is the Kali Yuga, or the Iron Age. This represents the conclusion of the cycle, with Kali as the agent of conflict and destruction. The Kali Yuga lasts one times 6,048 years. And then within each 6,048-year cycle, there is a dawn, a yuga, and a twilight. The dawn and twilight are each 504 years, with the yuga accounting for the majority of the cycle, or 5,040 years. So it goes 504 years to start for the dawn, 5,040 years for the yuga, and then another 504 years at the end for the twilight for 6,048 years in total. And then Lala presents his idea that the twilight of our Kali Yuga would have started in 1938 and end in 2442 AD and then highlighted that the late 30s marked the ramp up of World War II, the beginnings of the Manhattan Project and the development of atomic weapons and, and so how that would indicate an escalation of events, if you will, towards the twilight of a Kali Yuga. And so I'd also been thinking about this idea of cycles of time as it relates to Mayan wisdom. And again, I'm very out of my depths here, but I recently learned that the Mayans never predicted an end to the world on December 21st, 2012, that this was actually an archaeological misinterpretation that got accepted into the modern lexicon, and that rather this date reflected a transition point within the cycles of time. So anyway, to me, these ideas collectively bring together this concept that we could be at a major transition point in the fate of the human species, and that we could be seeing play out in front of our eyes a collection of forces that have been building for over 60,000 years, and what we choose to do now as a collective human species will dramatically influence the direction of the next Mahakalpa and what the next golden age of consciousness looks like. This also connects to me ideas of chaos theory, Uh, which also is known as the butterfly effect as it relates to time. And so chaos theory is a branch of mathematics that states, within the apparent randomness of chaotic, complex systems, there are underlying patterns, interconnectedness, constant feedback loops, repetition, 
self-similarity, fractals, and self-organization. Specifically as it relates to time, chaos theory has demonstrated mathematically that while the present predicts the future, the relative present does not predict the relative future. The movie The Butterfly Effect, I think, actually does a great job of demonstrating this concept. So basically it says that events today compound to such an effect that they have an increasingly important impact in the future. And so in the movie, one example would be whether Ashton Kutcher did or did not stop his friend from accidentally blowing off his fingers with fireworks, a very traumatic event that had meaningful repercussions on the lives of everyone involved in the incident. And then I keep coming back to this idea of time and could it almost be the shape of a spider web where we're coming to an inflection point in this web of time, this bottom of the inverted tractactus, and our actions today during this twilight period will have compounding effects for the next Mahakalpa. And to me, that's incredibly exciting, although it certainly puts a level of responsibility and accountability on those of us lucky enough to be alive today. And then as I start to think about what could this next age of humanity look like, call it transhumanism, I wonder, what does that mean? Will we be a star-faring people who've unlocked the keys to intergalactic travel? Will we have open communications with extraterrestrial civilizations? Will we have developed neurotechnology that enables us to integrate human consciousness with artificial intelligence? My money today is on all the above. Ooh, that sugar sweet, you got what I need. Sipping on the potion, all that kind of potion, just my kind of heat. Keep it on repeat, testify the potion.